You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Christina Cardoza, news editor of SD Times. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Joining me to talk about all things software security is Jeff Williams, co-founder of OWASP, the Open Web Application Security Project, and CTO and co-founder of Contrast Security. Hey, Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. So, you know, software security has been an ongoing conversation for decades and for good reason. Last year, SolarWinds faced one of the biggest security failures when it put a number of customers, including government agencies, at risk. And as a result, President Biden's administration is looking to overhaul U.S. cybersecurity strategy and leadership. So why don't we start um, here, Jeff? You know, let's give our listeners a brief explanation or a recap on, you know, what happened last year with SolarWinds, why this tack in particular was so big that it's getting national attention. Yes, SolarWinds was an interesting new kind of attack. So instead of just directly targeting companies' websites or, you know, trying to break in via email or something, these guys went after the build process inside SolarWinds. So, you know, how SolarWinds build software, let's call that their software factory. These guys attacked the software factory itself and were able to insert malicious code in the SolarWinds product. And then all the downstream users of SolarWinds now were running this malicious code and were compromised. So I think it was like 18,000 companies. Could have been more, actually, if more had updated their software. So this is a kind of a new, uh, uh, it's a new attack vector for uh the bad guys. And it's interesting. I think almost every company has a solar wind style problem. Their software factory isn't very well defended. And so, you know, we can talk about what they might need to do to uh, shore that up. Yeah, definitely. So I know um, the Biden administration is currently looking into possible security ratings and standards for U.S. software, and they're also looking at a software security framework. Do you believe these efforts um, can help us deal with the solar wind fallout or avoid the next big software security disaster? Well, I mean, those are long-term improvement programs. And I've uh, I've been arguing that we should have some kind of labeling on software, just like the way we have labels on food and cars and, uh, you know, anything else that's kind of dangerous. We even have, you know, movie ratings and energy star ratings on our appliances. We need that kind of rating for software. Otherwise, when buyers are choosing which software to use, you know, like when you choose your online bank, you have no way of choosing based on security. You, it's invisible to you. And that means that the market isn't really working for security. So this effort by the Biden administration, I think, is cool. It's an idea to create this labels so that people can choose software based on what they're interested in. Hopefully, they choose software that's more secure, and it encourages companies to build software that's more secure. So what else do you think can be done to address this new attack vector or software security in general? You know, what are some short-term term goals or short-term things that we can start doing today? Yeah, great question. I'll, I'll focus on three main things, and they kind of track the main, the three main areas of application security. So the first is you got to make sure that the code that you're producing isn't riddled with vulnerabilities. So that's where a traditional AppSec program comes into play. You'll use tools uh, to 
try to identify vulnerabilities, make sure that nothing is making it into production that's that's full of holes. And that'll stop the sort of the traditional attacks against applications, which are significant and haven't really improved over the last, uh, you know, you said decades. I think that's right. Um, so that's clearly a major emphasis of your program. The next thing is you want to clean up the supply chain of software that you're consuming. So if you're using open source, if you're using third-party products, you want to make sure that you have a program in place to keep those things up to date, make sure that the the components that you're using don't have known vulnerabilities in them. And you would do that if you were building anything else, right? If you were building cars, you wouldn't use gas tanks that explode at highway speeds. Well, that's what people are doing with open source software today. They're using software that has known vulnerabilities in it and making it part of their application. So that's got to stop. And then the last piece is this secure your software factory piece. Look at how look at the infrastructure that you use to build software. It's not just the build server that they attacked in SolarWinds. It's all the tools and and processes that you use to build your software internally. So your IDEs, your test frameworks, your build servers, uh, your deployment tools, all even developer laptops, all those things are potentially a vector for attackers to sneak in and put backdoors and Trojans into your software. So those are kind of the, the, the big picture things that you got to clean up if you want to improve at software security. Now you mentioned up, you know, cleaning up if you're using open source um, libraries or code. The SolarWinds attack wasn't uh, open source security failure. I think they've been pretty anti-open source for a couple of years, ironically, because they didn't think open source was trustworthy. Do you think um, had they been open source or if this had been using open source software, this could have prevented the situation? Well, not for SolarWinds in particular. Remember, SolarWinds was like that that third category of stuff where the attackers directly attack their software factory. But there are a lot of ways into organizations through the software supply chain. That was the second major category of things that uh, I, I was focused on. And, uh, you know, organizations definitely need to get on top of their open source, but that doesn't mean that you should not use open source. In most cases, it's the the right choice, the secure way to do things rather than trying to build those those things yourself. So, you know, a lot of the open source platforms out there have received a lot of scrutiny. They get uh, used widely, and that's the kind of uh, gauntlet that software needs to go through in order to get secure. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, security seems to be something that organizations and companies are struggling with you know we've been talking about it for we mentioned decades and despite how long we talk about it or how much we give um to help secure software we're still seeing these major hack attacks so you know why why is this still such a problem why does security continue to plague companies and organizations yeah i mean it's a great question i think uh, a lot of it goes back to visibility um because application security isn't very visible, the market doesn't really respect it. And so, you know, people building software don't put as much priority on it as they probably should. And we just stay in this state of, uh, you know, kind of really weak security. You know, the average application has almost 30 serious vulnerabilities in it. 
these are the kinds of apps that you use to do your online banking and healthcare and uh, your insurance. It's, these are the apps that we're talking about. And they also have a number of open source vulnerabilities uh, in them. And it really, there's nothing complicated here. This is not super high tech. It's really, you know, fixing this problem is just basic blocking and tackling. The problem really is the scale of it. Many large organizations like large financials and large insurance companies have hundreds or thousands of applications that are all changing. And it's just really difficult to keep up with. So, you know, I feel like we really need a, a change in the way that we do application security uh, rather than using a, a sort of a siloed application security team. Many organizations are trying something called DevSecOps, where they're putting much of the responsibility for security onto the teams that are building the software themselves, because a lot of it is really basic blocking and tackling. These teams can do that stuff. But it takes a little bit of work to frame up that work in a way that those teams can uh, accomplish it right. So do you recommend, um, you know, DevSecOps as that change that needs to happen? Or do you see other changes being more beneficial for security? I absolutely think DevSecOps is on the right track for helping organizations get their hands around uh, application security. DevSecOps, like I said, puts the burden on the development teams and allows the security team to be more supportive, more like coaches and toolsmiths, rather than sort of in the critical path. And that's the right role. This way, organizations can use the big machinery of software development to achieve a lot of the security goals. And that's the only way it's going to scale. It's a little hard to say, as you know, I've been a security expert for my entire career. And I'm, I'm basically saying like, I'm not the right person to be in the critical path on this. I can help, but the development teams have to do the, the actual implementation of these uh, security mechanisms. Great. Now I know um, your company, Contrast Security, also recently released a open source security report looking at the software supply chain. What were the major findings from that? Is there anything you can share that gives us insight into the state of software security or insight into where and what we could be doing better? Yeah, I think it's really a, an interesting report. So we actually measured the use of open source within tens of thousands of applications. And so we're reporting real world use of open source. And what we found is... Uh, Almost every application has at least one open source problem. Many have multiple open source uh, security problems. And uh, another really interesting finding was that not all open source in applications is actually used by those applications. So a lot of open source components just get uh, included into applications as part of the build process, but they never actually run. And the reason it's important, and we're talking about 68% of libraries are, are never run. And of the ones that do run, only 31% of the code in those libraries actually runs. So when you look at the overall makeup of a modern application, about 10%, just under 10% of it is active open source code. 90% is your know, custom code, the business logic, and, and all that. So just there's a lot of data in this report to help you prioritize what you're doing. Because, you know, if you're using an open source library that has a known vulnerability but is never invoked, the risk is trivial, is minimal. You really don't have to do anything about that. And so 
we try to help people focus on the the risks that really matter. And uh, so that's so, some of the findings in the report. There's a ton of details about, you know, how long uh, – it, the longer you hold on to an open source library version, the, the likelihood of vulnerabilities increases pretty dramatically. And by four years, it's like, uh, you know, really significant percentage of applications will have a vulnerability due to that open source. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I'm curious because you guys have run this report for a couple of years, right? So is there, how did it compare, how did it compare to previous years? Are you seeing the software security situation, um, the vulnerabilities, are they getting better? Are they getting worse, staying the same? Where sort of is the state of software security? Well, the rate of open source vulnerabilities has been going up because there's more and more researchers focusing on on open source. So we see lots more CVEs. That results in increased applications you know, that have open source vulnerabilities. But frankly, I don't think the situation has changed very much, actually. I think most of the vulnerabilities in open source are yet to be discovered. They're latent vulnerabilities sitting out there waiting to be discovered because there's a very small number of researchers who are actually doing all this work to find these open source vulnerabilities. And most of them are, are just volunteers doing this because they love it. But it's not like a systematic, organized uh, approach to stamp out vulnerabilities in open source. Most open source projects haven't received any scrutiny. And there, you know, there are vulnerabilities in those libraries that are just waiting to be discovered by the bad guys. Okay, great, Jeff. That's all the time we're going to have on the podcast today. But before we go, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with about the findings from the report or about the upcoming regulations from the Biden administration you think it's important to know? Yeah, two things. The first is uh, government has a tendency to focus on attacks, detecting attacks and responding, you know, trying to identify the attackers and and arrest them and put them in jail. And that's understandable. That's what you do in the real world. But in cyberspace, I think it's really difficult. The attackers are largely very anonymous and very difficult to track down. And the big problem is that, you know, we live in a glass cyberspace. (laughs) The security of our software is really not very good. And so I really think we should spend most of our time trying to beef up our security. That's going to be the best way to reduce attacks online. And I think that's what's interesting about this you know, Biden initiative is that it actually does focus on strengthening cyber defense rather than just responding to attacks. Um, so I strongly encourage companies to you know, look at the three areas of AppSec that I talked about. Beef up your custom code security, focus on your supply chain, and lock down your, your software factory. That's the path to really making tangible improvements in cybersecurity. Great. Well, thank you again, Jeff, so much for joining the podcast and talking to us today. For those interested in learning more about um, Contrast Security's 2021 Open Source Security Report, you can head over onto their website and it's available there now. 